An exclusive interview with Peter Delwey. This is Peter Delwey's GateWorld.net, where you get more GateWorld for your GateWorld dollar. What did you want me to say? Uh, Peter Delwey's exclusive on GateWorld.net. Mr. Delwey's, tell us first uh, your evaluation overall of Season 8. That's your question? Yeah. You start with Mr. Deloise. So I think, oh, look at me, I'm a mister now. <laughs> Everybody just calls me freak show over here. Right. And then you ask me, what's my overall? So you butter me up with the mister, and then you say, what's the whole thing about season eight? And I'm supposed to go, oh, yeah, season eight. We've got the great things thing. in store for you. The characters are amazing, and the, and the bad guys, and the action, and the sex, and the whole, oh, I got the relationship stuff. Oh, man, it's fantastic. And the reality is, it's just just like it always was. It's a clown car, Chinese fire drill. Everybody's just you know completely overwhelmed, doing the best that mm -hmm. they can. You know. As a director, what do you think was some of your best work this last year? Well, you're being more detailed now. Yeah. Well, let me. I want to try to answer your your question, your 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 season eight uh, question. I think season eight is. Uh, are we talking about Atlantis or, or Stargate? Uh, Stargate first. All right. um, I'm sad to see uh, Richard Dean Anderson uh, go, and and I actually thought it was stronger to see him having left the way he left at, at the end of last season than, than to actually come back and, and transfer the baton. Hmm. Right. I mean, that just for our own needs, our own business needs, he has to kind of sit there and and go, well, I'm not in charge anymore. Bull Bridges, you're in charge, and there's this other guy going to head up SG-1, and uh, thanks, goodbye. Right? I mean, we just, had to, we just needed to see that because the alternative was unthinkable, and it was Bull Bridges on a telephone mm -hmm. having a one-sided conversation and saying, yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, you're hilarious, Jack. You're just, and you, and you yeah. didn't hear what he was saying, and it was, it was kind of silly. So... It was better the alternative, but I always thought that the stronger way to go out for the O'Neill character was the fishing, <laughs> you know, good, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the the Simpsons liner, the Unmobius. Remember when he says "close enough"? Uh -huh. Do you guys know what I'm referencing yeah. there? Yeah. When the he keeps changing shot. the timeline, and and, and, <laughs> and then the guy has had the forked tongue in that episode, and he uh -huh. goes "close enough" because he can't get the timeline right. So he sees the fish in his pond, and he goes uh, "close enough." So there's a wonderful homage to the Simpsons. Hopefully, it'll start raining donuts. Hopefully it start raining donuts. Um, the the uh, so I, I, I was sa I'm sad to see Richard Dean Anderson not not a part of the thing anymore. But I totally agree with his choice to you know concentrate on on being you know a father to his daughter, and uh, we were lucky to have him you know for six, seven, and eight. Because I remember him addressing the troops at the end of the fifth season, saying, I guess this is it. It's been fun. I'll see you later. Bye. Hmm. And then we came back for six, and uh, this is probably it for sure, and I'll see you later. Bye. And, of course, seven, and then eight, and then I went, what the heck is going on? I mean, every genesis of the Stargate, uh, sorry, every uh, genesis of uh, Star Trek has only gone seven seasons. Right? Uh -huh. So, so uh, I mean, it's... It just blows the mind when when you realize that we've gone this far, and and, and of course it was, it was just a, a strange quirk of fate because of the being on Showtime and then switching over, right to Sci-Fi, and so they got new blood. They started to spend money on advertisement. Uh, they got a new uh, core 
or they beefed up their core audience, and then and then the getting the uh, cover of TV Guide that was uh -huh. that was an that amazing was thing because more times than not, and I know I'm getting a little off topic here, but more times than not you'd say, hey, you know, what are you working on? I'm working on the uh, Stargate the the series. They made a series out of that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even see the movie. Really, they made a series out of that. So I mean, everybody was claiming ignorance. Uh -huh. But when it's on the cover of TV Guide, you can't go. I don't know what you're talking about, right? Because uh -huh. it's on the cover of TV Guide. And if they're making fun of it on the Conan O'Brien show, then you can't ignore it anymore. You can't pretend like you don't know it's that. You have to at least go, yeah, I may have seen one or two of those episodes. Yeah. So um, I was f I'm blown away by the fact that it's gone this long, but I'm also aware of the fact that eventually, you know, we're going to get into the jump the shark territory. And, uh, and uh, season eight... Uh, has two wonderful new cast members in it uh, from uh, Farscape, and, and there is the jokes, you know, flying around that this is Fargate mm -hmm. now. Uh, but uh, you know, Claudia and uh, uh, Ben are, are wonderful, and Ben is uh, very enthusiastic. And I think he's excited to be to 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 be not auditioning and actually working. Uh -huh. And of course, Claudia can do no wrong in my eyes, and she we've got her in this hot little, tightly cut dress that you, you can just. You can't even, doesn't even matter what she's saying. She's just perfect. <laughs> yeah. So tell us what you've been working on so far this season. What have you been writing and directing? Well, that's, that's the other thing. That's why I'm kind of eluding your question a little bit, because I haven't really been working on SG-1. I've been concentrating on Atlantis, not, okay. not because of my own choices, just because it's been scheduled that way. So the first okay. three episodes that I've been assigned or have all been in from Atlantis. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, I like the storyline. I liked what they've done with it, it's, and it feels new. It feels different. It feels brash and, and political. SG-1 does, yeah. Uh, there's politics with the Jaffa and the Gould are, are not the threat they used to be with Anubis out of the picture. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, uh, uh, thank God we didn't kill Ball. I mean, that was actually in the damn episode. Yeah. It was one of the versions of the script mm -hmm. where Anubis said, you betrayed me, now I'm going to kill you. And it did the old uh, Empire Strikes Back uh, electrical show yes. and just zapped <laughs> the hell out of balls. So we had deep-fried deep ball, right? And uh, Michael Greenberg championed uh, Cliff Simons, who I think is a, a wonderful actor, who I, I think does a, a, an amazing job. And uh, he said, you know, why are we killing this guy? You know, it's not us killing him. It's the bad guy killing the, you know, the slightly less bad guy. And, uh, and it's the last five minutes. It's, it's kind of like an afterthought. Why don't we let the guy live and see what happens? Uh -huh. And thank God we did because he's in a storyline yeah. coming back. Yeah, and his and his collars are higher and pointier than wow. ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, he's great. He used to be. Uh, I, I think I did a commentary once, and I, I, I said he's got high cheekbones and he's like this underwear model. <laughs> and uh, I'd never met the man. This is the other thing. I had never actually met the man. And I went off and I did uh, German City Con with uh -huh. him, and he came in the room and he goes, that was funny about the underwear model. <laughs> I said, oh, oh, good, I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> so he's hiding out on Earth this season. He's not wearing uh, baggy pants and a sweatshirt and trying to keep a low profile? Maybe. I couldn't, uh, I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. He might be pulling an ISIS. But he is back. He's coming back. ISIS in the jar. Not ISIS in the jar. I meant Seth. Oh, the brothers Seth. And Seth thing. Yeah, that was a weird episode. You know, we actually <laughs> pretend that one didn't exist. There's a couple of episodes where, where where Brad Wright actually instructs us, and he says that never happened. You're like, 
But we already know that uh, I think there's one episode, Hathor in particular. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean that chick is hot, and I mean that in the in the, in the less misogynistic way that you think. Um, I, I like the character of Hathor. Mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. she was, you know, quite striking, and not just because she's beautiful, because I thought she was a good actress. Um, but the fact that she needed to have sex with the Daniel Jackson character, mm-hmm. and then go in the hot tub to spawn the little uh, symbiotes, mm-hmm. and then there was the issue of how, where is that coming from? Where did that come out of? Where did it come from? If the queen is in her head, where's the big sack that we've seen in the past, you know, and right. did it come out of her mouth when they were born? <laughs> and why is she sitting in the hot tub instead of upside down in the hot tub, if that's the case, you know? And so there was, it was just kind of a don't go there kind of a mm. thing. And so sometimes Brad says, yeah, that didn't happen. Mm. That didn't really happen. With all the changes that we saw at the end of season eight, with the defeat of the ghoul, the rise of the, the free Jaffa nation now, how does that, obviously you're a huge Jaffa fan, Jaffa yeah. author. Love the how Jaffa. does that impact uh, where you'd like to see the, the Jaffa storyline go? Well, the interesting about uh, newfound freedom is you don't know what to do with it. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and that is, in fact, what where they're going with this. They're having to self-govern, and they can't agree on what the right w- way to go is. And, of course, uh, Teal'c has a lot of ideas about proper self-government. And, uh, you know, freedom and enlightenment can be a very dangerous thing, right? Uh, when the, 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 the phrase, ignorance is bliss, uh, is not so far off here. And, and now you have a, suddenly you have a bunch of supposedly very intelligent people who are over a hundred years old, so their life experience is, is, is huge, and they all have an idea about what is the, the proper way to self-govern. And the interesting thing that, that I think that they've, they've done with this is um, they actually have a political argument where Lu- the Louis Gossett Jr. Uh, character is saying, well, the power base based on ships and so forth should in fact have something to do with your ability to vote for the leader versus one man, one vote, hmm. right? And so, which is exactly what happened with the Kerry Bush election, right? Where, where the, you know, the, this area was, if we had won the one man, one vote, maybe it would have been a little bit different, right? Hmm. But, the, you know, if you own the whole south of the Bible Belt, then those particular states are voting for Bush, you know, I mean, huh. how can you win? And if 90% of Washington... Uh, D.C. is voting for Kerry, and you know basically all of California, which is an, an enormous uh, population. There's more people who live in California than all of the country of Canada mm-hmm. are voting for Kerry, and then suddenly they get, yeah, but you have to have Bush. You know, go, okay, well this is a, almost like a political statement, which is, mm-hmm. to me, very interesting about what sci-fi is. You can kind of disguise these topics and have a discussion about them. I mean, the, the most obvious uh, that comes to mind is the, the old Star Trek classic where the guy is black on one side and white on the other. Uh-huh. And then uh, Kirk says, you know, well, why do you hate them so much? He goes, they're, they're black on the right side and left on, on the other, and we're the opposite. Why shouldn't we hate them? And you go, oh, well, now it's preposterous. Now that they're both half and half, and then just switch the sides, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, if you, if you talk about racial issues in that way, and, and then bring it into a different light, or I mean, this episode that we're doing on Atlantis has has to do with uh, uh, incarceration and, and uh, criminal punishment being, you know, if you're overbearing. I mean, it's a bit of a 
a cliche, but I mean, we're touch you touch on these things and you go, okay, well, that's the theme, that's the backdrop. What's the, the human aspect of it and, right. and go from there? Most of the time when I would introduce a, a story topic, Brad would hit me with, what's the theme? Yeah, uh -huh. what's it about? What's it, yeah, okay, that's what they're doing, but what's the theme of the piece? What's the story we're trying to get across? You know, and then, then they would go ahead and write a two-part episode where they were trying to escape being killed for two hours. And I'd say, what's your theme? <laughs> Don't die. Don't be killed. Where's the lesson in that? Well, you're in a really u unique position around here, which is as both a writer and a director, you get to see your stories through from beginning to end. Tell us a little bit about that. There is an advantage in, advantage. in that. And I, part, part, of the, part of the fun of, of being able to direct your own stories is you know what you intended. Mm -hmm. when you were writing what you wrote and and there's only there's only an, uh, enough room in a script for you know like about 8,000 words mm -hmm. and you know picture speaks a thousand words so this is only worth eight actual pictures right <laughs> if you're doing your math so there's way more than eight actual pictures in a script so I mean you have and because it's sci-fi it's not it's not like we all have a common reference I mean as I'm speaking to you I, I'm keenly aware that there are an enormous amount of pictures on the wall. We're in the concept. Uh, th we're in the concept phase of this next episode, and mm -hmm. in the boardroom, and the walls, the cork boards on the on the walls, are filled with pictures of ideas about what's going to be in the show. So we don't just all go, "Hey, it looks like you know, a really modern building." We have a picture of a modern building, and it just it looks like a spaceship. Well, we have a picture of a spaceship, mm -hmm. right? And these what we don't just we don't just just assume we all know what we're talking about. We have picture, pictures to refer to, and uh, which gives us a, a great baseline to to uh, to riff from. What does a trebuchet look like? What is a you know if but if if if, if uh, French soldiers have made it from 200 years ago, it looks one way. But if aliens have cobbled it out of garbage, mm -hmm. it looks another way, right? No. So I mean th that's why you got to have pictures, and. For me, that's that's the fun part: transferring or taking just symbols that represent words or ideas from a piece of paper, and creating visual images and relationships and chemistry and and uh, comedy and action and being able to move somebody enough to to feel something mm -hmm. who you don't even know, and they're, and they're watching it months later. In a, in a city that you've never been in, and perhaps a language you've never spoken, mm. and they're affected by what you've done. That's, not uh, that's huge. But, but, uh, yes, it's not easy, but it's exciting, and it's stimulating, and it's worth it. I mean, sometimes at the end of the day, a long, long day, when my feet are hurting and my knees are throbbing, I say, man, I, just, I can't do this anymore. Especially if the actors are their lines. <laughs> and then in the morning, I wake up, and I think, wow, I'm the luckiest dude in the world. I get to direct, I get to do something I love, mm -hmm. and I get paid for it. So, so in the morning I'm ready to go, and I and I feel incredibly uh, lucky, you know, to be doing what I'm doing. And and then I'm completely mentally exhausted by the end of the day, and I go, now I know I've had a good day. <laughs> and every day I realize at the end of the day, oh, I'll go to sleep. It'll be fine tomorrow. Right now I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't go on, but tomorrow it'll be fine. So you're spending a lot of time on Atlantis so far, the first part of the season. Yeah, I'm going to be doing uh, uh, five Atlantis and uh, five SG-1s this year. Wow. For the season. Yeah. Wow. 
That's a quarter of everything. Yeah. Is it? Well, I guess yeah. that's yeah, 40. So yeah. it's me. Yeah, Martin Wood is, uh, has a similar schedule, and uh, Andy uh, Makita also as well. Have you written any of those episodes yet? No. No. I, uh, I won't be writing any episodes this particular year. Oh. Yeah, I have a one-year-old, and I I basically just said, uh, you know, I feel like I'm spread a little too thin here. Oh, and no. I want to concentrate on that. Jake is my son's name. Jake. He just turned <laughs> one. Well, he's worth it, but we certainly love the episodes that you've done. Cool. Well, I've I've enjoyed writing them. It's it's you know it's been uh, quite an experience for me to be paid to learn, and I have learned so much. Uh, you know, I never went to film school, and a lot of uh, what I know about visual effects I've learned from you know, but probably ninety five percent of what I know about visual effects I've learned from this show, mm-hmm. and I've you know I've been able to carry a lot of the tricks. That I've learned here to other directing shows that I've you know Andromeda's and mm-hmm. uh, VIP and uh, I did did Outer Limits across the way there. Mm-hmm. So what are you directing this evening? So far, what's uh, what's on your plate right now? Well, I, I just did the uh, just did the Intruder, which is uh, basically the same story as uh, the Entity. Remember the yeah. the uh, storyline of the. Uh, Artificial intelligence that comes through and mm-hmm. goes into the computer and infects the the, the base. Back in season four. Yeah, and it, it goes it goes into Carter and mm-hmm. she she starts talking through the computer, mm-hmm. and then her her consciousness is kind of downloaded into this alien mainframe that that, that it created, and uh, so the intruder is like that, but it's a wraith artificial intelligence and it's a virus that is in the deadless. And so that's that's a lot of fun. So do does it take place largely on the Daedalus? It does. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And Mitch Pileggi from uh, Atlantis, uh, from uh, X Files rather, mm-hmm. is is the the captain of that ship. Mm-hmm. He's very good guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a real knows the grindstone kind of hardcore captain. I, I like him. He's a really good character. Like directing him as an actor. Oh, he's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, he can do no wrong, right? He just sits there, and he. The thing about Mitch as an actor is. He just trusts that the lines are there. He trusts that they're good. Mm-hmm. And he just stands with his weight evenly distributed over both feet, just like Cagney used to do, and he just says the lines. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He doesn't walk around and go, I wonder how I can enhance this somehow. Yeah. He just trusts that the lines are good. Mm-hmm. And he sends it out there, and he goes, this is, what, this is the quality that I've been hired for. This is what I did on X-Files. This is what I do here. I have a lot of life experience. I'm a captain of a ship. I'm just going to say these lines. And he does it, and you go, yes, I believe it. That's believable. Yeah. So that's why it's so cool. And the Daedalus, of course, is infinitely more cool than the, oh, the Prometheus. Yeah, yeah, yeah because it's got the, the hyperdrive and, the, and it's got sneeze guards on it now. Cool. <laughs> Have you seen it? Yeah. Have you seen the sneeze guard? Um, like on the outside the, of the ship? The, no, the pieces of plexi against the wall. Uh-uh. Well, there used to be just bare wall with, you know, copy machine fronts and foams and sprinklers and stuff. But now there's a sneeze guard piece of smoke plexi in front of it, which gives it added depth. Because it used to be the Prometheus walls, now they're the Daedalus walls. And sneeze guard is, you know, is the, so you don't sneeze on your salad as you're serving yourself on the buffet, <laughs> yeah. right? So that I mean, would be helpful I call it, yeah, yeah. Also, the bulkhead, it's not up here, but the, the, the front window of the uh, Daedalus is way cooler as well. We were um, on one of the other stages the other day, and there was this corridor of bulkhead, and I'm not sure exactly what it was. Where, where were you? We were, which, which stage? In Blade, on Blade, the 
played three sets. Yeah. Yeah, and like it was John just this Turner. long corridor of, like, Pat, the wall was the exact same thing. It was just like... Well, that's a Jeff Jeffrey's tube. I have a Jeffrey's tube now. That's a Jeffrey's tube. For the Daedalus. Well, got to have a Jeffrey's tube. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to call it a Jeffrey's tube, though, I bet. <laughs> we actually do refer to it as a Jeffrey's tube. In the show? Really? We should. Oh. <laughs> I would. If it were up to me, which it isn't, I would call it the Jeffrey's tube. <laughs> Cause, no, be because nice. <clears throat> what is it, Stan Jeffries? Is that was his name? Uh, the guy who was the art Mike Jeffries. Mike Jeffries. Well, Mr. Jeffries, who used to design sets for classic Trek, uh -huh. took a big sauna Matt. tube thing, Matt Jeffries, and he put it on an angle with a ladder and a gut box, which is just a, a box with a bunch of wires and stuff in it, and that and the, and then Scotty would climb up and goes, "I'm doing the best I can, Captain." And that was him fixing the wires, right? Uh -huh. It wasn't just always underneath the one panel every time. He had to climb up into that tube. Uh -huh. So that become became the because it was Mike Jeff Jeffries who designed it. It became the Jeffries tube. And they referenced it in Star Trek as that's what it was just called, the Jeffries tube. Right? It wasn't just we'll go up that access corridor. It was the Jeffries tube. Uh -huh. So. There's no reason why we can't call it the Jeffries Tube as well, in the same way that we refer to extras that get killed right at the beginning of a show as the Red Shirt. That's right. <laughs> so, I mean, because all these guys who have been, who, I mean, supposedly these characters, just like O'Neill watches The Simpsons or Austin Powers and references that, so too have these guys watched Star Trek as children. And why wouldn't it influence their decision uh -huh. to be in the military or in the space program, right? Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't they call it the Jeffries Tube? And that's why I'm sticking by that. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what you think of, of the changes to the Atlantis cast. We've got Jason Momoa in. We've got Mitch. Are yeah. they, uh, Mitch, oh, Mitch is actually on both shows because wherever the Daedalus goes, so uh -huh. too does he. So Daedalus could be a defense platform for Earth, but it also ferries uh, people and supplies back and forth. So Caldwell might Atlantis. pop up on SG-1? <sighs> could be. Hmm. Why not? <laughs> Anything could happen. So how's the cast? Uh, Has any been working? on already? No. Oh, it's an oversight. He will. Yeah, because eventually, yeah, there's going to have to be... Yeah, the Daedalus could be on either show, mm -hmm. for sure. So so could the Prometheus. Mm -hmm. uh, um, Jason's amazing. He has a, a very cool look. I think he's going to be a big hit with the fans. He's incredibly athletic. He has a very severe, um, intense gaze. He's got the Rasta hair. He's got the cool outfit. <laughs> he's got the cool gun. And uh, I think the I think the girls are going to like him a lot. <laughs> and some of the men will probably like him as well. <laughs> and uh, who else did you ask me about? Paul. No, you know, Paul McGillian has been added to the yes. to yes. the uh, the, the regular. Uh, yeah, I th I think I think what happened is Paul did such an outstanding job mm -hmm. as a as a reoccurring character that they just realized he's one of the guys. Mm -hmm. He's just one of these people that that you just can't do without. We've got to get him under contract, and his contribution was so enormous last year and and, and so great that they just went. No, it's a natural. Mm -hmm. And him, the the chemistry and the and the playfulness uh, between him and David. I mean, they actually like each other quite a lot in real mm -hmm. life. And they, the banter between them on the, on the show, very very funny. 
Well, especially with the, the changes on both shows this year, what would you say that fans have to look forward to the most in the, in the upcoming season for both shows? More in-depth information about each individual character. It's not just the Joe Flanagan show, and it's not just the Ben Browder show now. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's more about the, the qualities of the supporting cast, I think. And now that the Deadless and the, the ZPM have been, I probably shouldn't be telling you this, this is a bit of a spoiler, but the, the, the you know, uh, in Moby, from a thousand right. years in the past. So now that ZPM is available to create a connection, okay. which was always the plan. It was mm -hmm. the first year they were going to be cut off, establish, uh, you know, uh, a reason for watching the show, right? Because mm -hmm. otherwise they'd be dialing up and say, can you send SG-1? We've got yeah. another problem, you know. Yeah. Right. But any problem worth having would have been worth getting SG-1 to come and solve it, right? Mm -hmm. Or Carter, at least, to fix it, right? <laughs> so, so we had to cut ourselves off so that we could make the audience understand that, the, that, uh, that these people were, were, could prob solve problems on their own. Mm. But now we've got the ZPM. We can go back and forth. Actually, we can just go the one way. Right? So it'd take three weeks to get help at the earliest convenience. So they've cut, they've been cut off just enough. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. exactly the plan. So you have the ZPM in Atlantis, so you can power the, the city, you can investigate the city, and that's Ben Browder in the background screaming, liar. <laughs> He's behind glass. We don't, we're not allowed to enter, be in the same room at the same time. Um, so you've got the ZPM powering Atlantis. You got shields. You can you can uh, you can cloak the thing if you need to, which we find out later. Another spoiler, hmm. and uh, you can establish a wormhole, the eight chevron wormhole, back to Earth if you need to. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. But if you want to come back, you're screwed. So you you got to get on the Daedalus and go 18 days. Uh, it's an 18 day trip back. So do they have to share the ZPN? ZPM no, they don't. They don't share it. They just sent it. it. <laughs> they just sent it, <laughs> and it, now it's up to the Daedalus to sort of go back and forth. And I guess, I guess we'll be, I guess we'll be making yet another battle cruiser to help us defend Earth because it's kind of irresponsible to uh, mm. to send the Daedalus away and leave Earth defenseless. So maybe the, that's what the Prometheus is doing, kind of hanging out, uh -huh. and making sure nobody <laughs> just like the, the, like those two guys in front of Cheyenne Mountain, just going back and forth. That's what the Prometheus <laughs> is doing. <laughs> Guard, 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 car. Game on. Guard, 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 car. Game on. Guard, 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 guard. All right, Peter DeLuise, thanks so much for your time. Gateworld.net, your complete guide. Hi, this is Peter DeLuise from Stargate SG-1. I'm not on the show, I just direct it. Don't forget, Gateworld.net, your complete guide to Stargate. Hey, does this mean I'm out of a job? Wormhole disengaged. <laughs>